Well, several times within this letter from Paul to the Philippians, uh, we have seen how Paul encourages them, the Philippians, to be at peace, even in the midst of worrying circumstances particularly. He encourages them even to rejoice despite their circumstances. Paul had spent a lot of time with these sisters and brothers in Philippi, and he knew the difficulty that they faced by openly following Jesus as their Lord and Savior. These were the early days of what we now know as the Christian faith, the Christian religion. These were the very early days, and anyone who followed Christ was open to ridicule uh, for their belief that this young man from Palestine, not even an important young man, uh, and one who was humiliatingly executed as a criminal, this belief that that person had risen from the dead to new life. And by openly professing Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they were actually officially breaking Roman law because the emperor was officially the Lord and Savior of all people in the empire. And those were just some of the difficulties they faced simply for their beliefs alone. In addition to those situations, they faced all the same difficulties of all people of the time and most times, providing food and shelter staying healthy, navigating social situations and social structures. So over and over again, even just in the short letter, Paul encourages them toward peace and joy despite their circumstances. In this morning's text, the part that we read, Paul practices what he preaches. Paul writes to the Philippians about one of his own experiences that models some of the behaviors that we've heard him encouraging throughout this sermon series. In the process of writing about this experience, we witness Paul finding joy and peace in the midst of trying circumstances and giving thanks for these moments when he experiences goodness and beauty in this world, whenever and wherever he beholds it. In this morning's text, Paul models the life he wants for all people and reveals to us what he calls the secret to contentment. A little reminder about Paul's own circumstances, the circumstances that he faced at the time that he wrote this letter. Most significantly, Paul was under arrest and stuck in a prison waiting trial. He had been arrested for essentially disturbing the peace by preaching in the public, in the open air about Jesus. The beliefs and the practices of this new religion threatened to upend the existing social order. Those in power felt threatened. 
So they arrested Paul and put him in jail. At the time he wrote this, he had been there imprisoned for a while and alone. Then at some point, one of his friends from Philippi showed up, a man named Epaphroditus. The church, the congregation in Philippi, had gathered some money together to help for Paul's provision, and they sent Epaphroditus to hand-deliver this gift to Paul. The visit and the help that it provided is a big part of why Paul wrote this letter. Paul wrote this letter, he was prompted to write this letter in part simply to thank the sisters and brothers in Philippi. And so that's uh, the experience that Paul shares in the opening verse of this morning's text. It's, it's uh, actually a past tense. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you have been able to renew your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had not had previously an opportunity to show it. Paul is saying that he, he, he knew that he, they wanted to uh, do something earlier to show their love for him, but they just hadn't been able to for whatever reasons. But when they finally did, Paul rejoiced. And in fact, he rejoiced greatly because of this act of theirs. This is exactly what Paul had encouraged the Philippians to do just earlier, even in this same chapter. We looked at this a couple of weeks ago. In verse 4, Paul encourages the Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. And he said it twice because, again, they were wondering, how can we rejoice? How can you rejoice considering our circumstances? But this is what Paul does and shares with them about this experience of having Epaphroditus come to visit and bring this gift from them. Paul rejoices. He does what he, he practices what he had preached to them. Paul found joy in this visit and this gift, even though he was in jail. And it's not about the money, he writes. Verse 11, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. For Paul, this idea of contentment is so important that he elaborates on it as it comes to mind in his writing. Again, he speaks from his own personal experience. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I don't always associate a need to learn to be content when I have plenty. And yet for Paul, the entire point is that outward circumstances, neither good nor bad, are not the foundation 
of contentment for him. Outward circumstances for Paul's understanding of contentment have no impact or, or shouldn't have too great an impact on our contentment. And that's why he says, again, whether specifically he says, uh, being content in any and every situation, uh, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. The secret to contentment, the secret, Paul writes, is from verse 13, I can do everything, more literally, all of this I can do through him who gives me strength. As Paul has emphasized throughout this letter and almost all of his letters, the source of our strength in life is God. The source of peace, joy, and life itself is God. And therefore, Paul again proclaims essentially, when we are in communion with God, we can experience this deep peace, this shalom, this contentment, no matter what else is happening around us. Again, whether good or bad, whatever. The important part of the secret to remember, though, is the second part of that, the Though through Christ who strengthens me, not the first part, I can, I can do all things. In fact, Paul was very likely intentionally <clears throat> criticizing the idea that people should rely on themselves, be self-sufficient. The folks to whom Paul wrote this letter lived in Greece, ancient Greece, and at the time that they were living, the, the Stoics and their philosophy of life had had a profound influence on the culture. Paul's word for contentment was one of the favorites of the Stoics. It most literally translates as, in our language, as self-sufficient. I have learned the key to self-sufficiency, the secret to self-sufficiency, Paul is writing. Lynn Kohick, who had been the uh, dean of uh, Denver Seminary, explains how the Stoics viewed this idea of contentment. She writes, the Stoics held that contentment or self-sufficiency was achieved as the individuals became indifferent to their surroundings. The Stoic looked to virtue to find contentment. Seneca wrote, virtue was found within oneself independent of others. This idea of being reconciled to circumstances that could not change. But for the Stoics, apatheia or detachment was the goal. But Paul, Paul completely redefines this meaning of the word. Coet continues with this. Paul seeks not self-sufficiency, but Christ-sufficiency. 
Contentment is living in Christ, the sure hope, the unfailing promise, the Savior who will come again. Such contentment leads not to indifference, but to service, not to detachment, but to active engagement with the world. As Paul wrote, she, she quotes Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Uh, this includes becoming, as Paul said, becoming all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save even some. So as the case is so often with Paul, the secret for this is living in communion with Jesus Christ. And Paul received this wisdom from Jesus himself. We heard this in our gospel passage. As Jesus is talking to the disciples, he uses this wonderful image. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a person remains in me and I in them, they will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, they are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned, because that's, that's the only use left. If you remain in me and my words, my words even remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The secret of contentment is communion with Christ. And I find this image that Jesus gives us very helpful because this communion with Christ that both Jesus and Paul are encouraging us toward is almost beyond our comprehension and it's profoundly spiritual. It's not as concrete as being stuck in dirt. Because of the presence of the Holy Spirit, this communion takes place deep within our souls. And at the same time, because we exist in the fullness of God's creation, we are deeply immersed in the presence of God and this communion takes place with all that is around us as well. The image that Jesus creates for us gives us something to meditate on for understanding, being engrafted into the rootstock of Jesus. All the moments, uh, excuse me, all the nutrients of life coursing through our body by the power of the Holy Spirit within us the fruit of our lives, bearing outwardly and interacting with all of the rest of God's creation. All of that is in this image that God, that Jesus gives us. Again, the secret of all of this is maintaining our communion with Christ. <laughs> Lynn Kohek, who I quoted earlier, shares a funny story about someone who forgot the important part of the secret. She writes, 
Years ago, my sister-in-law had a salesperson come to her door. In the course of their conversation, the Bible was brought up, and the salesperson said that his favorite verse was, I can do all things. My sister-in-law paused, waiting for the man to finish the verse. Through him who gives me strength. But the second part of the verse never came, was never mentioned. Ironically, she writes, ironically, I do not think the man made a sale, which indicates that, in fact, he could not do all things. This secret of strength is not about us being able to do anything that we want. I can do all things, do anything we put our minds to. It is about being able to continue to be God's people of hope and peace and joy and love, whether in need or having plenty, in any and every situation in Christ who strengthens us. Once again, I marvel at the way that God speaks to us here and now, in this moment even, through this letter from Paul that was written so long ago and so far away. For four years, many of us have hungered and thirsted, excuse me, we have hungered and thirsted for justice. We've lived with angst and anger. And God's word to us has been the secret to life in this time is communion with God. Well, when the results of the presidential election were announced yesterday, many in this country wept with relief. Many danced in the streets for joy. And God's word to us is again this morning. The secret to life is still communion with God. As Paul shared from his own experience, the secret to contentment is communion with Christ no matter what the circumstances. So I will close with another image of this truth that has served, this image has served as a guide for contemplation for God's people for centuries. It is that passage from our Hebrew First Testament reading, Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand with sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers, but their delight is in the law of the Lord. Their delight is in the Lord. And on God's law, God's word, God's presence, they meditate day and night. They are like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They're like chaff. The wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. The Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The secret to contentment 
is in communion with Christ. Thanks be to God.